Hi there, guys. This is Liam from the Punks and Pubs. You're going to be listening to me in a second ramble about some shit with someone. This is an advert from the off, just to let you know. But the reason that this is an advert is not because someone's paying me. It's because I've just been happy with the service I've been provided. Merchstore.co.uk are a bunch of guys who have printed my t-shirts for me. The Punks and Pubs t-shirts. Go check them out. And they've been nothing but amazing. The reason that they've been nothing but amazing is because these guys know difficulties of getting your t-shirts printed for a reasonable price they happen to be in bands so they know the process of going to someone and then checking something and then the price just it's just a long drawn out process but these guys have made it really simple for me and the price has been amazing and the quality of the t-shirts are great so go and check them out merchstore.co.uk i can't make you do it but i would definitely recommend that you do it there you go i'm off uh, here's the intro music. I'll talk to you in a second. Oi, oi, you punks, go on my pub! Welcome to the Punks and Pubs podcast. My name is Liam Bird and I hope you're well. I have been busy, busy, busy uh, with Punks and Pubs and obviously my general life. But with Punks and Pubs, I'm not going to talk about my general life right now. That'd be crazy. Came back to Punks and Pubs. Been trying to book interviews before the end of the year. We went on our Punks and Pubs Christmas party. When I say we, I mean me and Steve who created the Punks and Pubs video. If you haven't seen that yet check it out and also helps me with audio from time to time uh we went on our christmas party we went to the fireball festival but it was on a sunday tip to everyone if you haven't booked your christmas party yet don't do it on a sunday because fuck me when you go back to work on a monday you feel like shit people who followed us on the socials you would have seen me and steven slowly get drunker and drunker as we post more ridiculous and stupid things on our social site which you can follow at punks and pubs I'm also looking forward to 2019, booking some great people for the podcast and fingers crossed we will be playing some live shows at festivals in Europe and maybe further afield, but you have to hang on for that. Also in London, I don't know if there's an appetite for this, I'm just trying to wing it really, so what it will be is just me talking to a face or a person live. That's it. That is all I would be doing. Um, I don't know if you guys would want to come and watch that. But that's something that I'm looking to do. Also, on top of that, I'm trying to flog you t-shirts. T-shirts are now up on Punks and Pubs socials for you to look at. Again, at Punks and Pubs. I think they look great and amazing. Going for £15, not including postage and packaging. And they are available to pre-order. Just send an email to punksandpubs at gmail.com with your name and size. And we will stash a t-shirt away when they come into stock. And then... I hopefully we will get them by the 14th of December. I will drop you an email and see if you are still keen. And then if you are, what we'll do is we'll do the transaction through PayPal. So therefore, your money is safe and so is mine. But that's in the future. Let's talk about episode 27. Well, episode 27 took place in London's East End with Joshua Waters Rudge. Or as I know him as, Josh from the Skints. Josh is a person I've interviewed before and he's always been kind enough to give up his time. So I'm glad that Josh gave up pretty much most of his afternoon to sit down with me and have a beer or two. And it's that two that's kind of led this episode to be a two-parter. Basically, me and Josh spoke for about an hour 50, and that is far too long for a podcast. So what I've done is I've broken it down into two. I did want to edit it to fuck because I thought there's some fun, funny, and interesting stuff in our conversation. So this is going to be a two-parter. Part two will be available for you next Sunday. So what will you get with part one? Well, 
Think of this like the early years of Josh and the Skints, with some random ramblings sprinkled across the chat along the way. You will hear Josh talking about growing up in Walthamstone and the surrounding areas and going to school. Obviously, we talk about the early lives of the Skints, from sleeping on people's floors to hustling as a band and playing the UK toilet scene. As well as the early years, Josh and I also discussed the art of a good question, the idea of self-censorship, and can you still enjoy a movie or a band if the person in the band or movie has now had incriminating evidence or accusations against them. We also talk about the work that the Skints did with the guests of episode 25. Go back and listen to that, Signature Brew. And we end the podcast talking about bands that should have made it, but didn't. As always, your band plays out the show, and this week he's flying solo. His name is George Gad, and he's based in my hometown of Nottingham, represent. Uh, So stick around for that. But before that, there's this. I present to you this two-parter, this being part one, because that's how numbers work one two of episode 27 with me and josh of the skints i will talk to you after our chat enjoy On the bus when the managers get a repercussions For the days to dirt on us And I'm a fearless little mug that really couldn't give a fuck You dig it or you raise so with my views on you get up well I can count on my band The band I think I'm worth a damn For the fashion and the love when none of the fighters I got the man to an empty club Was them a venue ram So me and my boys and girls gonna get in the fam Or what I saw bland They don't got no fans Then I just a whip a rap and I like a Wolfenstone, and the man in front of me is a, uh, a DJ, and but you will know him best as the lyricist, vocalist, and guitarist for the band The Skints, Josh. How are you, man? I'm all right, man. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. So we were just talking about the area that we're in, and this is um, an area where about you... Did you you grew up here? Yeah, next door. So I I live right next door in an area called Woodford. About the back, this Wolfhamstow is kind of like where the Skints HQ is. Yeah, it's like in the middle. I mean, we're all from so we're in the Wolfham Forest borough, London right now, and band split between here and the London borough of Redbridge, which is next door. Yeah. So this is kind of like the neighbourhood that's in the middle of where all four of us kind of grown up, and like I said our rehearsal space and our little band HQs here and we did so many like early 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 shows like around here and stuff man so and are they still like up are the venues still there or are they just no taking way over? dude yeah yeah and it's not that it was the, the standard at Black Horse Road that was actually the first ever dream of the skints was to play a set at that place yeah it's just <laughs> aim high <laughs> yeah well bro that was it man they did the new band night on a Thursday that was like the first ever mission you know the kind of thing where the promoters rip you off you have to make your own <laughs> flyer and yeah. like you give to every, it was like five pound entry but if you if you gave your people your flyer it was four pound you got to keep one pound and all that um and the, yeah like the plow in wood street it's that way it's like that's no longer that was a pub but that had a function room out the back we used to put little shows on there and stuff and yeah, it's gone now, man. Yeah, all of that's gone. It's a real shame. I mean, in most of like the boroughs of London, uh, like gentrification is is just happening, and it keeps coming out more from the central, and now it's like coming out to the east and the south. And I mean, the west has always been kind of uppity, but like it just seems to be now. Nowhere, no matter where you live, the cost is obviously going up. Like rent prices are going up, so therefore places that you are talking about are closing down. Like, as a person who, as a band, who talk about a lot about London and the sound of London, the vibe of London, how disappointing is that for you, knowing that those places are not, not there anymore, so people who may be inspired by your music can't go do that? Or do you think that's bollocks? There's always venues, there's always places to find. I mean, to be honest with you, yeah, I mean, in terms of, like, that kind of, as we were, like, the teenage band just wanting somewhere to do their thing, I honestly couldn't tell you what is and what... I'm so out of the loop now, yeah. you know what I mean? That I honestly couldn't tell you what is and what isn't there. I definitely know that, going back to the standard, that was like a real hub 
for like new you know literally like we were kids at school that yeah. want to go outside their school and play a show to their buddies and whoever else might be around you know and just kind of start that part of your life like a, the gentrification thing I mean you know I'm 28 years old so there's probably people 10, 20, 30 years older than me that would just be like oh mate well it was you know how different it was even back then like, yeah, yeah, before yeah. you grew up and all that so I'm maybe not the I don't have like a full scope on the whole thing but I know that as somebody that is grown up in sort of zone four zone three kind of thing just to be an adult now you know and look to live not at your mum and or dad's house you feel like you're just being punished (laughs) for wanting to just live in the area that you like kind of just grown up in you know what I mean not come from far out in the country and oh want to move to London and that'd be nice it's like oh I'm just from here dude yeah (laughs) I can't like rent a room bro it's crazy so but hey man there's much worse places to be from in the UK so it's, it's, it's <laughs> that's massively cool. true yeah, yeah yeah I mean so the bar that we're in uh, it's, a, it's a good old fashioned East End pub and you've got yourself a Guinness is that your normal drink of choice are you a Guinness um, guy well, or is it- do you know what yeah I'm not really, like Guinness have never given me any money so I don't want to hail them up too much <laughs> um, I, I like a Guinness yeah, yeah, I like a Guinness. I'm not you like, a short drinker though. Do you like do you like your spirits? Or are you more like I stick on the beer? Or are you, you know what? Like I'm really maybe when I was when I was younger, I maybe used to, especially on the road, we used to maybe like drink a bit more. Really nowadays, I'm like a two cold beers kind of yeah. guy. If someone has like a nice spirit to drink, or yeah. maybe a nice sunny day, maybe have a gin and tonic. If you're listening to some music and hanging out and catching a little little vibes but yeah, I'm not a crazy like I don't really drink to get drunk I yeah. just like to well, like, I think hold a little whole little vibe with two cold beers or whatever yeah, yeah. I'm alright mate yeah. I mean that whole idea though, of drinking to get drunk it, it, get knocked, it gets knocked out of you quite quickly I found once I hit 18 I was like oh, well where's the where's the uh, where's the danger gone now like, <laughs> yeah, like this is I nice mean, this is okay wrong, but like, you know with friends and the right mood and right company like Sure, I like to have yeah. a drink, but I definitely, I'm not, I'm definitely not a, like a spirits connoisseur, and like I said, I like a Guinness. We did our own beer, actually, with a local brewery. Signature brewery. In Leighton, Signature We're, we're talking brewery. to, they're, they're in, well, by the time this has gone out, that episode would have gone out. Oh, very but, cool. So, yeah, yeah, we spoke about the beer that you did. And how did you find that? Like, did you find it actually quite interesting to see how beers were being made, like, with different kind of smells and... Mate, yeah, totally. I mean, it was... It was definitely something that um, John, our bass player, was at the most knowledge and previous interest in. Yeah, you know what I mean. He's, the, I would say, John is probably the number one alcohol connoisseur of the band. He's like a really into his whiskies and stuff like that. But um, does he get annoyed if you can't notice the like the subtle hints of honeysuckle? No, he wouldn't get annoyed, <laughs> but he would just even worse. He'd just like silently think less of you. <laughs> You know what I mean? yeah, yeah. So, uh, just that judgment of yeah but no the, the the signature briefing was like really like educational and you know just inspiring man I'm always like as someone that is like really into like quite a niche thing in yeah. life I'm always just like really quite stoked and inspired to see what other people's things that, that they go mad over and yeah, spend yeah. hours and hours trying to be their best thing at yeah, yeah. for me is always like just really cool man just seeing people doing things that they passionate about yeah totally yeah, yeah, yeah. it's wicked it's what life's about yeah. definitely anyone yeah. who's listened to this haven't got a passion find a passion even if it's like something like knitting or I don't know um, knitting Man, is the first yeah. thing that came to my head it's so. fine and even if it, it doesn't even have to be like something that's your job necessarily which is rich coming from me because obviously we just we've been trying to do this for a long time and stuff and obviously really go at it but um yeah man just people taking pleasure in creative things is always nice to witness we're going to talk about the skins and music in a sec but something that we were kind of messaging about was podcast you're saying that you're really into podcasts right now yeah, uh, yeah. I mean I, wouldn't, I don't want to say like really into like I'm there's a few so podcasts how many, how many you subscribe to now on your phone uh, do you know what like maybe only two or three I may be really might have sold you a bit of a dream in how much into podcasts I am no I, I just what I um, I liked listening to 
conversations. Most of the podcasts I listen to are probably music related, right? Yeah. Um, so name some. Who, who you okay, so to? I like. There's actually was only four. I listened to Mike Skinner did a four podcast this yep. year with um, Murkish Dave, and they had what ones I listened to? They had like Liam Gallagher, had Richard Russell from XL. That was really interesting. Um, I can't remember. Maybe like Jamal Edwards from SPTV was on oh, there. Yeah, yeah. And just like. What I like about certain podcasts, and I listen to Chucky Online's one as well. I think that's really good. Chucky and Poets podcast. I haven't heard that one. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of a bit more like UK sort of rap scene orientated. Yeah. But I just, what I like about podcasting is that I've always been a big watcher of like interviews with artists. I've always had to know, especially about stuff I like. Yeah. want to know everything, yeah. The pod- I kind of like the new podcasting thing of it's not just the going through the motions how did you meet who are your influences <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean those things that yeah. traditionally I find music journalism can be quite stale in that respect but I the mean, conversational you... just like going down a part even if it goes on a tangent a little bit yeah and just kind of gaining a bit of knowledge I kind of quite listening quite like listening to that so as as someone who who has also done that journalistic asking the the questions because you get told by your editor these are the questions that need mm-hmm. to be asked because you got new listeners and stuff of like that have you had a point where about she just gone oh, fuck this i just can't be asked like you're you you're not trying so therefore i'm not going to try um i mean well you've always been respectful as in because i think a lot of people might forget this is still a job for you for you you, you still want to sell yourself and your band in the best way so sure. therefore you have to be polite to a certain extent yeah I mean I would I would always I like I'm sorry if anyone ever didn't I can't think of one where they would think that but I would always anyone that's interested to ask questions about my band yeah I'd always like to be very respectful and polite just that you know I mean you don't have to do that at all you know journalism you know like music there's an art to it and some people are better than others and that's fine We've done, you know, obviously we've been in the band for a number of years. Like, we've not, we've not really had, like, the band in general has definitely not had press maybe to the level of where we were at in, like, our kind of live numbers yeah. and the touring we've done. We've actually yeah. not had, a, we don't have a crazy PR, pre- we don't have much of a, definitely a mainstream PR presence mm. at all. Um, but obviously, yeah, I've done a lot of interviews and... But do you feel that's something you need to change, though? Or yeah, well, you're quite happy with it. Going back to what you were saying, I feel like my feeling is that in the internet age, if you Google the Skins interview, you're going to find a lot of the same questions repeated. Yeah. You know? So, and that's where I would maybe challenge, especially in kind of like the, maybe the younger, more inexperienced kind of student level people to like they're the ones that should be like really pushing the boat out and mm. getting creative with it you know what I mean and I think there's something that there's I think it's probably more fun and more entertaining because that's for your readers or your listeners it's an audience right they're yeah. here to be entertained if uh, yeah if there's just a less sticking to the rules maybe yeah you know definitely without asking extremely uncomfortable personal questions it's a fun, you know like I said there's an art to it as someone who is really inter- who, who enjoys their like the inter- in- the interview format when you, when you put yourself forward to do these kind of podcasts are you expecting them to also ask the questions where actually you want to know the questions so something about Liam Gallagher I'm yeah. sure Liam's fucked off about hearing about Noel yeah. but those questions are there because they're exciting they're interesting yeah, that's yeah. what you want to know about yeah. so if there was something with, I'm not about to do a gotcha question or anything like that don't worry but like if there is something like that is it are you prepared to ask that question because you know that's something that you would also want to know the answer of if it was someone that you enjoyed and you want to listen to? Or are you like, you know what, fuck, I don't care. I don't care that Jennifer Aniston not fucking got a child or whatever. Like, is that sort of celebrity thing something you don't give a fuck about? Well, in terms of, like, me as a Just a question. Artist. Yeah, as an artist. So people delving into, like, your your own background so say if we started talking about your childhood like yeah. is that something that you go fuck off Liam like that's got nothing to do with you and uh, why would I want to talk about that that's, a, that's, a, that's in itself is a good question I mean yeah I mean obviously primarily like me being in the skints to me is about music that's why I'm here and uh, music is kind of in terms of my life the thing that I 
am like most at home talking about. But I mean, um, you know, I don't really have any qualms about just answering general human questions either. I don't know. I've never really thought about it like that. I yeah. just always sort of held along with whatever the question is. <laughs> time to an artist who gives up their their time to to spend a long time with you in the case that we're doing this with about an hour or so i feel it's always my responsibility to, to ask good questions so one of the things when i was researching about you i was impressed by your depth and knowledge of music it seems to be you kind of mentioned it that you eat breathe like you want to know about anything that interests you like is that to the point of uh, obsessive? Like, are you like, I want, I, I want to know everything about that person. So I want to know like their first album they ever done. I want to know uh, if they've ever done like a B side that I've never heard. Or is it a case of, I like this music. I want to know the basic about it, and then I'll move on. Because I don't understand how you retain that knowledge. Because yeah, to me, it kind of depends on the artist. Depends on like my mood. Depends on like how much of a you know the the fire has been lit within me to yeah. like access the knowledge you know and sometimes it comes with time as well like and talking to other people that you know i mean I learn a lot obviously like you know you can learn a lot of uh, facts from the internet like and the back of record covers I'm sorry about the bunny ears for the yeah, facts yeah. on the internet <laughs> yeah. you know there's there's a plethora of knowledge out there and you know obviously you know if you're really into I don't know, for example, like credits on an album, there's like the back cover or the inside and you can find out, you know, about the producer or, yeah. the, or whoever was playing on it and things like that. But then there's also, I think, a lot to be learned about just talking to other people that are into similar things as well. And, you know, I've really, I've got to artists, got into artists and finding out about them so much, people whose music I've loved. And, uh, you know, you find out, maybe a bit too much about their personal life and then you question whether you should maybe even be supporting their music or anything yeah. like that so um, yeah man I don't know do you know what yeah there's not re- I don't really have like a format or a formula um, there's like different things I mean maybe like when I was younger I would maybe go to some like more like going into the cave of maybe more artists than I do now yeah. but if there's something like new right now that really excites me I might you know just try and find every song ever it's really different man it's kind of interesting what you touched on there about you dive into an artist and they might find out something that you probably shouldn't know there's obviously in a, in a world whereabouts now people are being accused of many things mm. let's say for instance Kevin Spacey I'm a massive Kevin well I was a Kevin Spacey fan yeah. I love his films and I was having this discussion with a friend like can you still enjoy a Kevin Spacey movie knowing what he has been accused of doing and my argument is, yeah, because I enjoy him as that character. I'm not enjoying him as a person. Sure. I'm enjoying that character. And I can remove myself from what he's done. I, I wouldn't now support him with his new films because him as an artist is someone who I don't really respect anymore. But I respect his past work. Like, can you get on board with that? Or is no, that something I, that you I, find I'm difficult? I kind of know what you mean. Like, obviously, like, you know, with something like that or similar cases where someone is, like, committed literally... Uh, like heinous acts that just can't be condoned or whatever yeah like lost profits for instance right so, i yeah. mean you know that's like a super super extreme version but like obviously like you know there's there's no getting around or 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 
for me, especially in that case, like that's just you know forget about it forever. But mm. with something like you know, it's also weird. Like if you like something, it's like a, a music artist or you know has like maybe views that you don't agree with, but you like their tune. For me, I don't know. Like, is there a rule book that says like just because I like this tune means that I'm on board with everything this guy has ever thought politically or done in his life behind closed doors? Yeah, probably not. You know what I mean? So, but there's an interview. It's a, it's a bit of a mad one, though. I know what you mean. There's an interview coming up that again hasn't been aired with um, Joe from the Queers, and okay. he got into a Twitter war about him talking about his belief. He basically started raising money for a police officer who shot and killed a black child in America. And his really? argument, yeah. Wow. But his, I mean, the police officer got um, basically not guilty on, on uh, manslaughter. And the FBI claimed that the child um, came at the officer, whereabouts the family say actually he had his hands up. So there's a lot of like contradictions, contradictions. But he firmly planted his flag in the police officer's corner. And obviously, being in the punk community, why was he like related to the guy? No, he, no, no relation. He, but his argument was that I believe in law and order, so therefore, why wouldn't I support a police officer? Why wouldn't I? If I was in that situation, I want that police officer to support me. I could attack him because I, I don't agree with what he was saying, but I feel that he should have the opportunity to be able to speak there, and, and he should have the opportunity to believe that. And I don't believe that as a punk community, which I believe should be liberal and with their thinking and their mindset we should allow that space to happen and we should allow them to believe that but then also question them when we feel it's appropriate and even with this podcast i've had i've had discussions with my friends of i want to talk to anyone associated with punk but should i also then go and talk to people like screwdriver because they are still a part of this community they have been part of the no, punk community. Not part of my community mate. they're not part of your community but they're, but they're still punk they're not my punk but they're still punk so should i yeah. ignore that i mean i would to counter that i would say like if you're doing a Christian podcast, should you go and interview the KKK because they claim <laughs> to be Christians as well? Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, or whatever. You know, what I mean, it's like, yeah, that's kind of all, that's all a bit mad, man. Um, I mean, yeah, I guess it's you know, it's your it's your thing. Your rules, <laughs> <mate>. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm okay. gonna, but yeah, the, yeah. it's that argument of should I just limit it to people who have my own liberal views, or should I open it up to people whereabouts? I do have that discussion and that debate but then it's kind of like Tommy Robinson like Tommy Robinson is someone who I know because I grew up in Luton I don't know him personally but I know of him and the media seem to have come around so there's a lot, there's a lot of American listeners who's not going to know who Tommy Robinson is basically Tommy Robinson is part of a far right organisation who are racist as fuck but for some reason the media have jumped on him as someone as freedom of speech which is bollocks but he was on Newsnight last night, given a platform, talking about should he be censored? Should we be doing that? Should we be given a platform? Or should we let their own stupidity come out and then we judge them as a community? This is taking a really weird yeah, turn. Yeah, it's gone a bit left. But, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, like, this, this, the censorship route is kind of crazy. But I would argue that it's kind of, you know, with the media at least in this country like it's it's not as simple as like oh should this idiot be allowed to speak or that idiot allowed to speak like it's it's so corrupt yeah from the get go that actually I don't really think you can kind of really fairly like measure certain things within like mainstream media platforms at least anyway yeah. do you know what I mean it's kind of flawed from the off in my opinion and to some knowledge that I have kind of you know attained um, just kind of by looking and watching so yeah uh, I'm not really I don't yeah it's all mad bro That's right. let's, let's yeah. get this back on to the, the track the, the stream of music so who where, who was the person who who brought music into your life was it family is, you, is your family really big into their music or was it your friends who you know, brought music into your life my mom and dad are definitely big music listeners neither of them are musicians um 
my mum has like a, a dancing kind of slightly musical theatre kind of background you know she was kind of a you know as an ensemble dancer and stuff like back in the day I kind of came along and ruined her career um, by my very birth um, yeah and like my and you know her and my dad were like big like in the 80s I guess they were out like raving and kind of like the and like a soul kind of disco early R&B yeah. kind of tip um, like a bit of a funky one as well so there's definitely it was always music in the house some quite good music um, my uncle big record collector probably a lot of stuff that uh, put me on the path of like what would become the vision for the skints maybe was turned on to me by him yeah. definitely like first heard like dub and probably like even like the specials or like I knew about Clash before but then he showed me all like um, uh, like Judgment Time and Armageddon them kind of more like punky reggae Clash ones that I maybe didn't know I knew about London Calling and all that yeah I'm talking when I'm like 13 or something yeah could you appreciate the music at that time or for what it was or was it just like I like this beat yeah well you know it was I guess like I, there was music in the home so I, like I knew you know there's always like radio one in the morning having your cereal going to school yeah. and that like I was music was always around you yeah, in the house and then I guess probably like towards the end of primary school so maybe like year five something like that like was really into like the rap that was whatever on the radio at the time like yeah. hip hop was really loving that yeah and then I kind of and then probably about year six skateboarding happened to me and then that's when as well as like the hip hop and like garage remember in this area like where East London meets Essex like the yeah. garage thing was like the sound so that was just everywhere and I like that but then with the skateboarding came the intro into I guess like rock, you know Green Day Nirvana kind of early entry so was that punk. was that you looking because you wanted to know more about the skate community and then the skate community were playing that kind of music and they were like Josh listen to this yeah, maybe or maybe I'd, oh, to be honest with you or like I MTV2 later on we're going back to like 11 years old at yeah. this point um, no it wouldn't be MC. I never had um, cable in the house so yeah. I actually all Kerrang TV and all things like that that I maybe see around my friends' houses I never actually had in my house but I guess like I probably must have just seen some like skate kids wearing like a toy machine hoodie or something <laughs> thought that was cool I don't yeah. know yeah, who yeah. knows man but like yeah that like Green Day obviously like at the time like Blink-182 would have been really big and I was definitely like aware like when I was finding out about rock music originally it was definitely everything that was like loosely punk related was what I was into and actually I never really got into rock as a or metal at all as a whole genre yeah bro. and that would you know I've never listened to it's gonna sound like sacrilege to some people I've never listened to a Led Zeppelin album like not top to bottom yeah, yeah. tunes I've yeah, never yeah. listened to like an ACDC album all the way through but like you know the kind of big these bands the, yeah you know, the, the staple, bands that should be in your yeah, record collection yeah. yeah or like or, or that people that are into guitar music would argue like oh how can you have not yeah but everything you know and then like I remember like being like you know being into Green Day or whatever and coming home and be like oh yeah like mum like, I like punk my mum was like oh yeah like I've got like sex like mum and then my mum's like idea of like punk would have been like sex pistols and clash and all that she, yeah. she would be like oh do you know about this and show me all like late 70s stuff and then like I said like from my uncle and that it was like oh yeah do you know about specials do you know about whatever else I don't know I can't even think like the beat yeah. or something like that and then, the selector and all yeah, that yeah and then like, like and then you know and then I'm getting so I'm then like 11 I go to high school like 11 and then like it's kind of you know, into still into all the rap stuff, but then you find you're getting a little bit deeper. So you're going into like your less than Jakes and whatever else. Yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. Obviously, still big at this time. Yeah. And like they might have probably would have still been written about in Kerrang and things like that, which I would have been buying. So and like skating and yeah, man, just that whole like classic skate punk existence. While still, I was always constantly listening to 
what was like big in the area at the time which was not rock music at all but obviously through just like skateboarding and those kind of friends that I had there yeah that was I was still in tune with that and yeah man like you know rancid no effects all of that stuff like really early kind of shapings of adolescence yeah so with that and with clearly your love of music did you go to school and not understand why everyone else loved music as much as you or were you surrounding yourself with people who loved music um well i definitely was like if in, in my school like if you liked guitar music you was like a severe minority you're a grebo it was like that yeah sort of pretty thing. much yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what i mean like you would just like you know grunger freaks yeah. Grunge was the word, even though technically most of what we were listening to really wasn't grunge music at all. <laughs> yeah. But it was the thing, and and you know, bunch of that little crowd, and that was that was in my school, or in our school, my band school. All those kids were from various different year groups would all like kind of hang out together. Yeah. Even though like it was different age, you know, like John and Jamie are like were older than me and Marcia. Me and Marcia went primary school together, went high school and were like same age in that, but all those kids used to hang out, bonded together by uh, kind of just alternative music, I suppose. And like I said, while I still appreciated everything else, I was very aware that like everyone else in my school was just consuming what was right in front of them I was fine do you know what I mean the school children yeah. I think I pretty really judged but I kind of <laughs> did kind of know that what I was I was not satisfied with like just whatever everyone else was into yeah, yeah. I knew there had to be more and yeah man I was just mad with it from then like and sharing music at the time this was really like still like CD Walkman days and burning CDs with your friends and all that like maybe like this is probably like just before like internet I don't know about everyone else but in my house this was like pre like having good enough internet to like download anything yeah so it was still like sharing having that good and then maybe noise. when I was about 14 the internet was maybe good enough to start like the line wire thing and all that and then you can really start going crazy with finding different tunes from different genres or whatever but John from the Skints was the first person to show me like Cat Down and King Prawn oh yeah, yeah. Uh, so like, like British yeah so I didn't punk. really yeah, know yeah. about it. yeah that was a, probably a thing like like I said like you know you start with your Green Day and then maybe it's a whatever a Rancid or a No Effects and Lesson Jake like going down that whole thing yeah it was probably like John from the Skints that brought me to like oh yeah you know there's like bands doing that in England now yeah, that, like are playing gigs and we can go to them. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. What I mean, and that was like a whole. What? What do you mean?
what was your first gig you went to then? Oh, my first ever gig. Do you know what? The first gig I went to, it's the only... I actually had a conversation with someone recently. I felt like a chump because I was like, nah, I, ne- I never used to go... To- I've never been to like arena gigs. I was like, the biggest gig I could have ever imagined when I was younger was like the Astoria. But actually, when I was 11, I went to see Destiny's Child at London Arena with my family. Yeah, mate. That's the only arena show I've been to. It was incredible. But then that was like maybe when I just wasn't as into music. And then I reckon the first gig I went to was probably like like that venue I said, the Standard in Walthamstow. Just like a shithole, sticky four (laughs) club venue. And there was just some band playing there. Can you remember your first pit as well? The first pit, yeah. Do you know what the first pit I went to... <clears throat> it's crazy because we've played with them a bunch since then it was like 2003 I was 13 I was at the Underworld and it was um, so your man oh, I can't remember his name he's not been in the band since we played with them there was the dude from Real Big Fish who had a side band right uh, Forces of Evil no no Littlest Man Band yep. I think the guy's name is, is Scott from Real Scott. Big Fish yeah, yeah yeah so he started this band that was like nothing like Real Big Fish it was kind of a lot more wasn't Scar it was kind of mature but I was like online like looking for a gig that was like Real Big Fish to go to and I went and it was Suburban Legends were the main support yeah we know those guys now they're like a lot more like a real big you know like a classic Calif- Southern California like ska punk third wave yeah and I went to that show and like, I remember yeah the beginning and the skanking like a little nutter in pretty checkerboard <laughs> slip on vans and you know what I mean what you're yeah. supposed to be doing when you're 13 man definitely um, that was that was what I remember like first doing like skanking like a little nutter so when was the last time you went in a pit oh mate do you know what and I, do you know what through all my teenage years as well like, I was up for it as well man like <laughs> yeah. hardcore punk shows hardcore shows scar shows I just had so much energy like that I just cannot imagine having now yeah um, the, but the last time I did it must have been one man it must have been one I can't remember. I remember the last time... I used to hurt myself all the time. I remember the last time really mashing myself up was when Capdown first got back together. And that was after they split up. And this was probably like 2011. So we've, we're like around. We're definitely a band in the scene and been touring. But like I was still... And I still do, man. Love off Capdown for forever. But I remember they played at the Underworld. And I'm like watching for the side of the stage. Yeah? And they were playing Positivity. And I'm like run across the stage <laughs> yeah. to like crowd surf to jump into the crowd and I've just slipped on spilt water on the stage and just fucked up my elbow <laughs> so bad bruv and then there's, I think there's a video of it online somewhere you can see me just drop and then like I jump into the crowd I'm like, holding my elbow terrible but no it's been a good few years man I mean like I said I'm 28 now I haven't been a serious pitter for a long time man been out of the loop but maybe that band to like bring me back I don't know no I'll get broken now <laughs> I can't do it man well actually last time I was in a pit was actually it wasn't one of your gigs but you were supporting it was actually a No Effects show mm. and, and Brixton yeah mm. and I'm a huge No Effects fan like they've always been my band since I was a kid like whenever they come over they're the band I always want to go watch and I was like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fucking go for it come on and I went in and I was in like for like two songs I came out felt winded I, I was like fuck what happened to my youth I just yeah, felt yeah. really old yeah. and really bad and a bit depressed if, if I'm yeah, honest yeah. I was like oh now yeah, I know my limits totally man no no I'm too I'm too much of a wuss now man <laughs> if I get a crack in the ribs or someone's stepping on my trainers I'm just going to be moody and it's not good man <laughs> so I'm not going to start talking about how the skins formed or where you met because I feel that's been done enough yeah and I mean, a lot and if cool. you want to know you can if go you know that. you know band, band from school started very yeah. in its most primitive form and we just never stopped okay. and uh, I, I don't know if you know this but on uh, Wikipedia you are noticed as notable alumni from uh, Woodbridge High School okay well there you go I don't know anyone else that of any repute that went to our school so just you according yeah, to Wikipedia they, yeah, uh, unfortunately so it. it doesn't surprise me but you know got seven GCSEs out of them so <laughs> so when you met um, Marcia um, Jonathan and Jamie yeah did you already know that they were quite talented musically 
or was it just a, a fluke? Uh, because I know Marcia is classically trained. Yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely, like in the kind of like doing your grades. Yeah. As a thing, you know, um, like on the flute and stuff. So obviously, I knew me and Marcia went primary together. And so going into Woodbridge, we weren't like best mates at primary school or nothing, but obviously, like I said, when we realised that we were into similar things at high school, we kind of maybe buddied up a bit more. And she, I definitely knew she played the flute, but you know what? It wasn't really... Mars actually came into the my idea for doing the skints was when I spoke to her and was like, yeah, like, do you reckon you can play the sax? And she was like, oh, my dad's got one. Like, I think it's a bit like the flute. I'll give it a go. And then John, who was like, like I said, a little bit older than us, he was like playing the bass with his buddy Louis, who was playing guitar. They were just kind of doing their little thing, yeah. And then John was like playing all like offspring bass lines and stuff. And then I was like trying to start a band, and John was like, What? Like, I'm older than you. Like, you can't be like doing a band. Like, <laughs> I'm going to play the bass or whatever. <laughs> And then Jamie was someone that I knew, yeah, because he, obviously, when I got to high school in year seven, Jamie was a couple of years older, and he was already playing in local bands and stuff. So Jamie, from the day I met him, I knew he was a music guy. But, obviously, it was years until we was ever in a band together yeah. or anything. So, yeah, like, definitely music and our friendship were always, like, connected but it was like friends first do you know what I mean it's like we're friends anyway and we love music and that's probably what brought us together but regardless of whether we could play music together or not would not be seen for a few years so where did the idea that there'd be three vocalists in the band come from then or like did it start off like that or was it you were the main vocalist and then you decided this isn't working or how I mean where did it come from you know what it actually it started with just me and it was like really bad you know what I mean I've got the worst voice in the band That's I'll happily true. admit that no I have it's fine because there's do you know what I mean two good ones it's alright I can write I can write like lyrics on that it's fine but and, I, and I express myself and whatever I do my thing but no one wants to hear like a soulful reggae track with me as the lead vocal it's fine but uh, so yeah obviously the band started like a lot more on kind of the the, the, the scrappy scar core kind of tip yeah and I was kind of the lead vocal and like Marcy was doing the sax and that and John to be fair to the history of the band we did have a, f- a few early shows with a couple of early incarnations that were not the line up as you know it now but obviously since t- 2007 yeah f- which is you know only a year or two after that would have been it's been asked for seriously with it and then when Jamie kind of joined on the drums you know, I knew he was a a great singer and songwriter anyway, and it just started happening, man. He was Jamie joined the band. I was like, oh great, yeah. Like I've been listening to like loads of reggae, and I've written some stuff like this. And I think it was actually uh, Sociopath, which is a song on our first album, was like yeah. the first thing that Jamie like brought to the Skints. Was like, shall we try a little reggae tip? And we were like, okay, cool. Right, I think this is opening up a bit of like a new world to the sonic possibilities. And then Marcia, it was kind of me and Jamie like doing different parts on the leads for a while, and Marcia would like be doing BVs, and then it was really for our first album that she kind of wrote her first, like pretty sure like Rowana song, which is the closing track on our yeah. first album. It's actually the only one on that album that Marcia sings lead on. I'm pretty sure that's like the first song she wrote to sing yeah you know I mean we're I mean? gonna we're gonna get onto how I like Marcia has obviously grown as, as a, yeah. a, um, a vocalist throughout the band but for some reason in my head because I've read a lot where Marcia talks about that she's classically trained was there a moment like like straight out of Compton like you know that have you seen straight out of Compton yeah. where about Easy E's in the booth and all of a sudden he fucking he just lays it down yeah and like the way that Marcia can sometimes like spit out her lyrics yeah. was it that kind of like holy fuck where did this come from and why haven't you been doing it more or was it you always you always knew that Marcia had that in her to be able to really rapidly throw out lyrics yeah I think it's probably more the latter it wasn't like just obviously because of knowing her like musical you know she was always like very involved in kind of like the sculpting of the music and that and like she's you know always like very forward with the 
ideas and all that. It was not surprising that she becomes, you know, a, a serious songwriter yeah. in her own right. So it wasn't really that. It was more just like... I don't know man like when you just like when you just do it all the time and day by day and you're all learning things and you're trying to get better it just sort of happened it wasn't really like a this moment of like like oh I can't believe you've been like hiding this ability or whatever <laughs> you know what I mean it's like yeah. to, and I don't mean that in a bad way but like in a yeah like of course we we knew that she would be able to do that because of you know the talent she's got I always wondered what I was gonna be another bitter woman on a bus with a cat in a magazine my mind is jaded by the multiple painful memories and I'm haunted by the regrets that I let get to me I think a lot at night when I can't sleep about the haters that marks us in this society about the ignorance that surrounds just everything they say about the lengths we go to try and hide our own mistakes I don't care what you say who you are nothing is a right about war I don't care what you say who you are nothing is a right about war I don't care where there's oil who's your god nothing is a right about war I don't care what you say who you are nothing is a right about war said a warning money is an emotion of my mind on wild on a bit of a formidable array tiny little bits of metal trying to represent the fabrication that is no exaggeration of the money in this nation that's objective was illegal to start a legal war I don't think every person asking me how that was quite a where there's a or who's your god nothing is a right about war not a little bit of sense in it not a little bit of sense in it what do we dedicate our lives to me it's a fucking system I got my now with this and then the money doesn't exist it's a going as it does me I don't sense all my life's in the reasons I can sleep lift a little bit of it and it's a jealousy because I feel a psychological anomaly my life is not familiar I want to see my family The first time I saw you live was in uh, 2010, February, in Luton, because I was DJing a club oh, night. Wow. And I you, that show. you were playing with uh, mouthwash yeah. and random hand. Yeah. And wow. you're shaking That's your like, head. No, because I only have a gig we played in Luton, so I knew as soon as oh, you okay. said it, I knew exactly the gig it was. Um, and I can remember watching it thinking like this is going to be the bands who are going to dominate music because to me like you guys were like the free bands who are, who were killing it at the time in in the music scene and now you're the only band full time that's standing had there been a point during that time where about you've gone fuck this man like, this is so hard why are we doing this like you didn't feel like there was momentum or has it always been step by step by step you've had bigger crowds bigger crowds bigger crowds yeah I think luckily for us the reason that we are still here is that like even though it's been like super gradual and like super slow like there has always been like constant at whatever rate there has been constant visible growth and like it it hasn't for us felt like you know it has been like on an upward gradient yeah but just over a very slight upward gradient over a very long period of time um and for that and obviously like man you know doing this does not come without its financial woes and you know other woes and whatnot but we have we've discussed this before and it is mad out of how like that's kind of the world that we come from and we are i believe i believe and anyone else listening may correct me on this the only band that is currently in existence that does it full time and is kind of still making a real go of it from that whole world yeah um which is crazy because like you said man there was a point where i was like Bro, I thought mouthwash were gonna be, were gonna blow, seriously blow, and yeah, it's crazy to be here at 28, having been in the band for, you know, since I was like 17 or whatever, and the amount of bands we've seen live and die, yeah, is like, uh, you know, you feel like a war veteran or something, <laughs> man. You know I've mean? seen things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seen things, Truly. You know, and obviously, like, a lot of the old names, like, Stu do, do still, like, um, play out and stuff. Yeah. Which is great, but not it's not really in the same energy as, like, when you're doing a band full-time touring. There's, there's kind of a different 
vibe between that and a band that goes out and does a few festivals every year you know what I mean but you've done your dues like you, with, with the first album you were booking your own shows you were sleeping on floors and that kind of stuff I mean looking back now is there any point where you've gone oh they were psychopaths and then when you have to sleep on somebody else's floor and you're like you're looking for a room and you're thinking that guy's dodgy as fuck but we need to sleep like you had that because yeah, I, I used man. to live with a guy well the people who put you on at Luton DTA promotions we used to have bands staying in our student house all the time and it, I always felt a bit weird for them because they're coming in a stranger's house like uh, like we don't know you oh bro do you know what it's kind of mad because like I mean, you know, obviously we're in a position now where it's hotels rather than strangers' floors, but we're still doing the same thing. Do you know what I mean? So I like, I do look like obviously like there's stories and that from that time that I'm like, oh mate, like that was that was mad. Like how were we like going on like that? Like you know, for months on end, but. At the same time, I'm like, is it more mad that we're still doing the same thing? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But, uh, yeah, man, I mean, like, bro, we were, we were so young, man. You know what I mean? Literally, to be, like, 18, 19, we're just, like, on stage, like, asking someone, can we stay on your floor tonight? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. People, like, yeah, I mean, we've, we've had the best time ever, but I feel like normal people, like, wouldn't do it. People just wouldn't do it. <laughs> yeah. For, like, no money and for, like... You know, you like you ask, like, an artist now, a young artist now, just, like, signed to, like, you know, a major label and and the dreams and aspirations they've got for their career, maybe they're in, like, the kind of development process. And, like, tell them they've got to go and do that. They won't do it, bro. <laughs> They'll just be like, what are you talking about? Like, yeah. I want to be on the bus and I want to be playing to thousands of people. Like, I'm not going on tour around England for a month playing every day not knowing where I'm staying every night and like for like five pound <laughs> but like for do you know what I mean between you and yeah. figuring it out how you'll get into the next gig next day people just wouldn't do it so maybe there's something wrong with us man I don't know <laughs> uh, how, how much time you got? as long as you need dude mate keep rolling man yeah. I'm literally I've, I'd seen my accountant today that was as as a professional as it got earlier so yeah <laughs> seen your accountant would you think you would ever yeah. mutter those words when you were 17 sleeping on people's floors um no but to still be doing it I'm glad that I am yeah because it shouldn't be me <laughs> do you know what I mean <laughs> I'm glad that there's someone now that's job is to check that stuff out yeah yeah we spoke about like you bucking your own tours and stuff like that what was the one thing that you've taken from doing that you still remember and still take with you every single time you, you go on tour right. like the fails and also the successes as well okay we did that let's never fucking do that ever again yeah okay so with the just to spread some clarity on the booking our own tours obviously a lot of the early shows were like self-booked and like our two very very early you know I use the word tours lightly were maybe self-booked and between us and uh, actually want to take a second to big up Clay Pigeon who is a no longer a band but they're a band from this area you know they were kind of the band that we really aspired to be and we yeah. wanted to open up for credible credible underrated under listened to under seen band um, and they kind of we did like our first tour with them but actually quite early on we had uh, we did secure a you know underground punk rock booking agent um, who kind of that was how we got on that toilet tour constant circuit yeah. for a couple of years so even though like everything our end was done ourselves in terms of like being there and logistically and you know and the fees were like 75 pound a night or whatever and you got to make that work in terms of like the actual booking that was handled by someone else and then that took us up to a couple of years when we went with our current agent ross who we've been with now for like about eight years yeah um but then yeah everything else has pretty much been uh, handled by us and various associated parties along the way so yeah I just I don't want people to think that well, I've booked every single tour date the skins have ever done yeah um, but you know a lot of it was just watching and figuring it out man and um, you know 
learning and listening you know to your kind of peers in other bands and what's gone wrong for them you know and what's gone right for them and you know I think a wise man learns from his own mistakes but a wiser man can learn from the mistakes of others and and in the music industry at whatever level uh, you know there's a lot to learn from other people's mistakes and and just like you know people just be looked up to man like you're the whole like 90s like stuff like fat records and and, and like bands like No Effects and the whole like real like remaining independent and holding on to the rights of your records and not putting yourself in a position where you're going to be dicked over by a record label or anyone can tell you when you can or cannot be on tour or if you can or cannot release music yeah um, and just like you know holding that power even if it means that you ain't going to be the biggest band in the world ever just you know being in control of your own thing was uh, just principles that we still take very seriously and have really probably avoided us from making kind of bad business decisions uh, in the past um, you know because of that was kind of like I said like when I, when I was younger like I like a a rancid at the London Astoria was like as big as I could imagine a gig being yeah, yeah. we'd never really had like aspirations of being like an arena touring artist so maybe that's why we never really had aspirations to like go and see what the major labels are saying because we just wasn't really in the in the mission yeah you know what I mean I feel we should get another drink well we're going to take a little intermission and we'll be back in two seconds beer break Thank you to Josh for giving up his time. Part two of this interview will be in your grubby little mitts on December the 16th. And then we'll be back for our Punks in Pubs Christmas episode on Sunday the 23rd. We are packing them in like your mum packs in stuffing. That was meant to sound like a uh, a Christmas joke, but it ended up sounding a bit sexual. So uh, sorry for that. Don't forget, t-shirts are available to pre-order limited stock. So get your order in now. Send an email to punksinpubs at gmail.com with your size and name and we will stash it to one side for you so when they go on general sale and you will have first dibs on sizes quick thank you to Stephen Berg for his audio assistance and a preemptive thank you to you for A keep on listening after the interview has stopped and B for going online and rating and reviewing this podcast on iTunes or whatever streaming service you use time to end the show so that means your band plays us out this week he's going solo he's from the city of my birth his name is George Gad and he has talent This track is called Not Human. Make sure you check him out if he's playing in your area. Right, that's it for me. If you go into a punk show and you see someone fall down, you pick them right back up. Until next time, well, until next week, bye-bye. Not ready for hell just yet Come and dim my spirit and leave the way I'm an empty show I'm a vacant body in an awful spell Zappa shot the water signs Go between forever in the morning light And I felt lost and had to hide But I am not here anymore I'm not here anymore I'm not here anymore And it's out his own
anymore. I'm not human anymore. I'm not human anymore. No, I'm not human anymore. I'm not human anymore. I'm not human anymore. No, I'm not human anymore. I'm not human anymore. I'm not human anymore